You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. One. Well, hello, hello, hello. It is Sunday evening. This is Matt Williamson. This is a Locked On NFL podcast. We have Patty Trainer from the Locked On Giants Network. We're about to chat with her quickly. We're going to go around the league with two other teams for sure, as we always do on Sunday night. I just watched my Steelers just use some terrible clock management at the end of the game to find a way to lose in Oakland. That team is on his head. We'll talk about that over the week for sure. But, Patricia, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Matt? I'm great. I mean, the team that I do the most work with, as I mentioned, the Steelers, is reeling. Your team looks like they're alive, the New York Giants. I know what it, what happened to these giants. They suddenly look like a football team after looking like, you know, a, a modern day version of the Keystone cops. And it's actually fun to watch them now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I th- I was picking them to win this game and then they, you know, Odell didn't play. That was kind of a last minute thing. And I'm like, boy, this might be a, a struggle against a pretty good Redskins defense. We know the Redskins offense is in shambles, but that's, I mean, this was a dominant performance. This was a blowout. Yeah, it was. I mean, this is a team, the Giants team, that if you remember the first half of the season could not score to save its life. I think it was averaging something like 18 points a game ever since it went on the bye week and, and has come off of that bye. They're averaging like around 31 points a game. So wow. I, I don't know if maybe they swapped out the players and, and <laughs> you know, over the right. bye week and guys that were capable of getting the job done. But the Giants offense is suddenly fun to watch, and so is the defense for that matter. Yeah, there's a couple teams. I mentioned the Raiders that we looked at that were bottom feeders in the league just a month or so ago. But some of these teams, you know, like Oakland, like the Giants, that has a new coach Sometimes it just takes a little longer to gel and for that coach to know what he has in the players and what the players have in their new scheme. And now's the point where they've spent enough time together that they're starting to really be familiar. And it's easy to look at Eli. He played well. Saquon is an unbelievable player. But this offensive line protected Manning pretty well and opened up holes in the run game. I mean, it's a much maligned unit, but it's playing pretty well. Yes, it is. And, you know, it took them a few different additions to finally get it right. You know, they, they started off the season with Eric Flowers and, and Patrick Omame on that right side, two guys that, you know, for most of their careers had played on the left side. And that transition, unfortunately, did not work out for, for either player, neither of whom is, is still with the team. Um, so they, they put Chad Wheeler in there who had played, you know, some right tackle. They, um, they added Jamon Brown. Form, you know, who was cut by the uh, Los Angeles Rams. And mm-hmm. He's helped to stabilize that line. And Nate Solder on the left side, Nate Solder and, and, and Will Hernandez are playing better together as well. So just a, an overall turnaround, you know, th- that line is starting to calm down and gel. And it's been, you know, they've been able to get stuff done now. Yeah, it's really impressive. And, and you mentioned the defense. You know, Alec Ogletree's making big plays, you know, kind of on a regular basis all of a sudden. They're getting some pass rush. I mean, but they just destroyed the Redskins running game. And I think we all knew that was really the only way that Washington could move the ball late in this game. But still, I mean, they are they don't have great defensive personnel. Landon Collins is hurt. And the Giants are playing respectable defense going into an offseason where they could probably concentrate on that side of the ball. 
Absolutely. And, you know, if you look at the draft, the early word is, is that the draft is going to be rich with defensive players. Yes. Um, so you figure the Giants will probably dip into that pool uh, several times. They're going to have some needs. Um, I, and I think they're going to really, you know, uh, work on upgrading that defense over the offseason. You know, they'll add a couple pieces on the offensive side of the ball. But defense is where I think they're going to really, you know, dive in head first mm-hmm. and look to upgrade. So, um, you know. They're definitely on the right track now. You know, the, the program is starting to take root, and it's just a matter of continuing to build on this foundation that Pat Shermer has laid down. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there should be a lot of optimism. Uh, we could talk quarterback in the offseason, but, I mean, Eli's playing well, and it's great. I mean, the Giants now should be holding their head high, and, boy, we hired the right guy, and things are going well. It, it, the arrow is clearly pointed up, and... I want to tell everyone about my bookie, but before I do, can you tell everyone where you can be found and what all you're doing besides the Locked On Giants podcast, which obviously is much listen, uh, something that everyone must listen to? Sure. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Traina, T-R-A-I-N-A. That's where I post links to all the articles I write. I write for several outlets, including okay. The Athletic New York. I'm a contributor at Forbes. I'm doing the Maven uh, Giants site. I'm doing Inside Football. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing a bunch of stuff in addition to Locked On Giants. And, and uh, I, I like to interact with the fans. So if you ask a question or drop me a line. Usually I respond back as time permits. So definitely look me up on Twitter and, and follow my work. Absolutely. That, that is good stuff for sure. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will be back with Locked On Dolphins. I mentioned there that I am going to tell you about my bookie. And my bookie has been a good friend of the Locked On Network now for quite a while. But, you know, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. You heard me talking about this for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines, man. Step up. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. That rhymes. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can recreate a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you turn 100 bucks into 600 Three out, Three out of three. So much to bet on, college basketball, college football, NBA, NHL, custom props, even eSports, you name it. Of course, NFL. My, my bookie is one, one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. I mean, I've told you that many times. They've been in business for years. They have great online reviews. Their mobile site is easy. It's all I usually ever use. Sign up this week, and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. 50% free money. Great way to bank even more money when you win. Make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention and DM, not to mention they'll be giving away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. So that's at BetMyBookie on Twitter. You'll be the first to know as soon as the new odds and props are posted. So don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log into MyBookie right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON25 to get 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code Locked on 25, you play, you win, you get paid. I told you we were going to talk Dolphins next, but that got changed. Travis Wingfield is going to join us next, but we now have Ryan Tracy on the line from Locked on Chiefs. Honestly, one of the absolute best of the Locked on uh, regular podcasts out there. I'm not just saying that to blow smoke. Um 
crazy day, as is the case with this podcast, trying to get everybody lined up. It is a crazy day atop the AFC, and the team at the very top, Kansas City, takes a, a hit. I mean, it, but keeps on ticking. I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, it's old school. And by the way, I'll take smoke just about any yeah, time. Yeah, sure. Why not? But uh, yeah, yeah, hey, right? Uh, yeah, got got punched in the face a few times, but did come back. You know, uh, no glass jaw on this team. And I think that's probably the most encouraging uh, thing that you can take away from this for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it seemed to me watching it that it had kind of a playoff feel to it. I thought it might be too big a test for Lamar Jackson on the road. I thought that the Ravens might, you know, confuse Mahomes at times. And I thought they'd make life difficult on him. And I'm not sure I'm wrong, but I thought both quarterbacks basically passed the tests. You know, I, I think you're right on all accounts. I think you, you saw Jackson get a little bit flustered, mm-hmm. um, but he actually had a couple of really, really nice passes that um, took took him beyond what I had expectations for him. Um, and Mahomes clearly got flustered uh, through a terrible interception, um, just, I think, out of panic, to tell you the truth. Had trouble reading some of their pre-snap looks. I think he came around, and, and later when it was a little bit clearer about the direction that everything was going, I think he had an easier time getting his pre-snap reads and he adjusted he came back and i thought overall uh, they both kind of performed fairly well yeah absolutely and they're certainly as spectacular with both of them and that's no shock with Mahomes. obviously um he was hit 15 times in this game though i mean Suggs and judon seemed like they were all over him is that a bit of a concern i mean i'm not worried about his toughness but he is taking a beating and he hasn't played this many games in a season and i wonder how he's feeling yeah, I completely agree with you. That's my concern as well. You know, the, it's getting to the point where, especially since the Rams game in Week 11, it's it's been coming more and more. He's been taking more abuse, maybe not taken to the ground as much, mm-hmm. but he has been getting hit a whole lot more. And he is resilient, but I think eventually that's going to catch up with him. And they lost another offensive lineman today in Cam Irving, who uh, we're not certain about his prognosis, but he could easily miss Thursday. And uh, going up against that Chargers front is another big concern there. Yeah, I'm going to bring them up here in a minute. That's obviously going to be a great way to finish up Thursday Night Football this year. Um, but speaking of injuries and taking hits, you know, there was no Watkins. Obviously, Hunt is gone. Tyreek really had to gut through this one. It looks like he had two major injuries. I thought he broke his wrist on that first one. And then, you know, obviously he had a lower body injury. Are you worried that the offense, which is awesome, obviously, is just too reliant on Hill and Kelsey at this point? It, it certainly is a concern, and yeah. you saw how it stagnated when when Tyree could not really plant very well. Not to mention, I mean, tough kid running through it, but really that uh, change of direction that is really his signature, when that's not there, it, it really stalemates him. But uh, he gutted through, and then you saw it pick back up. And Travis Kelsey by himself is not enough. Right. That's for certain. They have a bunch of role players. Uh, didn't get much in terms of somebody else stepping up today, though. No, no, you're right. And again, a very good defense, a very good secondary, the good pass rush we mentioned. Speaking of pass rush, though, it seems like it's somewhat of an underreported story. And I say this about the Steelers all the time locally. If you can only do one thing on defense, I at least want a pass rush. And the way the Chiefs are built, it's instrumental. And we saw it today, and we've seen it lately. 
For sure. And, you know, I, it always makes me kind of chuckle when I hear people from around the league talk about this, but uh, the demise of Justin Houston is greatly exaggerated. Yes. Um, you know, and, and as much as the Chiefs offense has to deal with what you saw from the Ravens, and I really do feel like this is going to be a, a blueprint so much, or at least a big film session takeaway for teams looking them in the playoffs in particular about how to try and saddle the Chiefs offense. Uh, the Chiefs defense came up, and, and you still have Chris Jones on a tear. Uh, I think this was game 10 in a row with with a sack leading the interior defensive lineman uh, and you still have those edge guys if they can put it all together uh, and keep it consistent uh, with the coordinator actually calling things that they can go and hit the quarterback with I think that helps this this poor defense out quite a bit yeah it does I mean in, in a way it kind of reminds me of like how the Peyton Manning Colts were constructed where I mean they played in a dome and on a fast track but still you knew the offense was going to be there every week and if we can have a couple pass rushers well, we know that you're going to have to throw at some point to keep up with us. So, yeah, we know the defense has some holes, and you can't have everything. But if we can have a little pass rush, and we're going to make your quarterback at least get the ball out of his hands faster than he wants to, makes it hard to keep up with Mahomes. It, it certainly does. And, you know, going back to this preseason, we know that Brett Veach, the GM of the Chiefs, is is aware, and he called it and kind of temper expectations, saying that, um, this is really at least a two or three year plan to correct this defense and get it to where they want to be. So it, it's certainly an Achilles heel that they know about. Uh, but speaking of heels, they might just get Eric Berry back by Thursday. That, that'd be great. And it, it's funny because rarely this time of year does a team get an impact player back. And I don't know what we'll see in Barry with when and if he returns, but the Chargers got Bosa back. I mean, you talk about a nice present just added to a team. Like, I forget who was, I was talking with. It was like, imagine if, like, the Rams or the Chiefs just added Joey Bosa a week or two ago. You know, like, it, it, he's a difference maker, and that leads me to the Thursday night contest. What's your initial thoughts? I don't know how much you've got a chance to break it down, and I'm going to talk a lot more about it going into this week, but what do you think about how to attack the Chargers and how these teams stack up? We do know that Reed, Andy Reed just owns his division. You know, he really does, and, and it's, it's been about... Yeah, and it's, and it's manipulation of what he does on offense to try and thwart what the defense has to offer. But, you know, Bosa's a unique talent. And I think especially having played the Chargers week one, uh, and I don't even think you can really apply that film that No, much. right. It's like ancient so, history. Yeah, it, it's starting over basically. And I think the Chargers are going to do their homework as well, and they're going to see what the Rams did. And Bosa, I think, can fill an interior role as well as out there on the edge. Yeah. I think they're going to use that, and they're going to play a, a lot of attention as to what the pre-snap looks were from the Ravens that gave Mahomes some fits, and I expect some mirroring there. Yeah, I do too, and it's going to be a fun game. Um, Ryan, I'm going to tell everyone about Action Heat, one of our newer sponsors on the Locked On Network, but before I do, if you have any tidbits you want to mention about this team, they're, they got out with a nice win for sure, and, and let them know where else they can find you as opposed to, in, in, in addition to the Locked On Chiefs Network, which is exceptional. For sure, yeah, the network is incredible, and we've got shows everywhere. Uh, you can find me on RGR Football on YouTube. I do film breakdowns, Chiefs-oriented, but some other content as well. Um, and really, the tidbits that I would take away is that this team is functioning without some of its stars, but it has a lot of role players, especially at the running back position. We don't know about where he was injured today. Not sure what that's going to be. You might see some young guy in Daryl Williams step up. You're going to see some other wide receivers, including the newly signed uh, Kelvin Benjamin. A lot of iffy things there. But the biggest thing is if you get Eric Berry back, he'll probably be on a pitch count, but he's going to get that secondary aligned a lot better. Ryan, you are the man. We just talked Giants. 
We're going to talk Dolphins. We just finished with the Chiefs. I think you Kansas City and New York fans would be interested in our friends at Action Heat. No offense, but I'm not sure the folks in Miami need it quite yet. Around here in Pittsburgh, we got snow in the ground. It's getting cold across the NFL. And like I said, this episode is sponsored by Action Heat. And they make the world's best battery-heated clothing. It's heat on demand at the touch of a button. Um, Your clothes can reach temperatures up to 135 degrees, and it's powered by a rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion battery. So it's not like you have to keep changing batteries. You just recharge the one you have. lasts up to 12 hours on each charge, and it's perfect for any friend and family on your holiday gift gift list. It, it, It has panels almost like your heated seats in your car, and they have heated jackets. They have socks, gloves, hats undergarments, they have long johns. So stay stay warm and cozy from head to toe of Action Heat. Action Heat is available in men's and women's and also has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Very fashionable. Uh, Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth. Action Heat is perfect solution for your toasty and warm, even in the most frigid of weather. If you're sitting outside at a Packers game, get Action Heat. So, Here's what we got to do. We got a, a deal just for you out there. Any of you skiers or anyone that works outside doing construction this time of year. Or just a, f- a friend or you know something to, uh, for the holidays. So you can save 20% off your entire order. Go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on. All one word, all lowercase, or use or use the coupon code locked on. All one word, all lowercase at checkout, and you save twenty percent. So say, stay t- toasty and warm while you enjoy all your act- outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. And we thank them so much for sp- sponsoring the podcast. Very, very good stuff there. All right, all right. We have talked Giants, we have talked Chiefs, and now it is time to talk to Travis Wingfield about the Dolphins. What a game that was, dude. Unbelievable. We just got back from the stadium about 10 minutes ago, actually, driving down the turnpike to get back to our place we're renting out here because we're actually in South Florida for the game, me and a guy from Locked On Dolphins. So uh, the craziest, by far the craziest sporting event I've ever seen in person, without a question. I I bet. I mean... What are your, I mean, we'll get into it here. I mean, I think it's key that this team hasn't quit. And I hate using those words because professional athletes, quote, quit a lot less than people think. Sure. But they're playing hard as a team for their coach, quarterback, and I think that's promising. It has been. And like you mentioned, the fact that they are playing hard for the coach. I think that really showed up in a game last week against the Buffalo Bills when, you know, that was. Uh, for lack of a better phrase, a toilet bowl game. Two teams really going nowhere that there's just not much of a purpose for the game to be played. And sure enough, they came out and it wasn't a good showing, but they played hard and played to the final whistle, played to the end of the game. And that's been kind of Adam Gaze's saving grace at this point is his teams do play really hard for him. They do, they do. And I think he's looking for that in team building. He ships some guys out that might not have been 100% on board. I think he's trying to build a culture um, let's look at the offense here briefly. I mean, first of all, I think it's noteworthy. Frank Gore passes Ladainian Tomlinson on the all-purpose yards list. I mean, this guy, he's still good. It's not like he's out there as a charity case because he's from Miami. The guy's a contributor. I don't know what to think of Tannehill, but I, I still think the, the last month of the season here is going to be key for his future. But he had a good rapport with Stills. Protection wasn't great on offense. There's not a lot around him. It's an interesting situation, big picture. 
And he's really being held together right now by duct tape and bubble gum at this yeah, point right. because he took that foot slash ankle injury. And we had a chance to talk to him post game at the at the post game presser, and he was saying that you know it, it hurt like hell, but uh, you know the the team needed him, and Brock Osweiler certainly wasn't going to bring the Dolphins to a victory today. So you know seeing him kind of get back and tough it out, and the shoulder injury is still a thing, and he's coming off of an ACL, so it's just like this guy that started every game five years in a row, all of a sudden can't get out of his own way with injuries. So it was cool to see him battle through and, and get a chance to, you know, have the game winner, albeit it was not really his doing <laughs> that won the game, but just the way he battled through the entire game was really cool to see. Yeah. I, I wanted to fo- I planned on focusing more on the, the short term than the big picture, but my hunch is he'll be the starter on opening day next year. And there'll be a second round pick in the building or something like that. That's exactly what I would assume too. Probably like Drew Locke, maybe Will Greer. Yeah, somebody like that. That you know, that at least it gives you a fallback plan, or if he goes down, or whatever. And it's not, and you don't use your first round pick there. I mean, you could go get something else to help for the now in the first round and in the in free agency. I'd be very surprised if they don't address the defensive line, if not in the first round, very early, because they really got to remake the entire defensive line, and this exactly. is a great draft class to do it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. And it's funny because I have Robert Quinn down here as somebody to mention. I thought he's come on well. I mean, it looks like he's playing a little bit better, but his age, Wake's age, as much as they have invested in the D-line at the edge positions, isn't the best business overall, I guess. No, not at all. And you mentioned you know, the fact that the production really hasn't been what it should be. They both seem to get close a lot. I think Cam Wake finishes as much as you can expect a pass rush specialist at age 36 to do. And I think he does a great job of it. Uh, Robert Quinn's really been more involved in the running game this year than anything. But uh, his sack production has gone way down from the past. But you mentioned at $12 bucks next year. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do with Robert Quinn. Yeah, and it's interesting to me. The Pats struggle in Miami. I'm sure you guys talked about that a million times going into <laughs> yep. this game, and we'll hear about it all the time, and people will blush, brush it off as that was a crazy play at the end of the game, and the Pats always struggle there, don't worry. And it's weird to me that even though they're both in the eastern part of the country, that Miami and New England are in the same division. I mean, they couldn't be further apart in terms of weather. So I used to look at it like, okay, playing in Miami the first month of the year is a chore for anyone let alone a northern team. But can you explain their problems or, you know, but at least by Pat standards of playing in Miami? I, I wish I could. I mean, I really don't have the psychology behind it other than the fact that, you know, it like you mentioned, it is a 50 degree, 50 degree change when you go from the north down here to Miami. True. And like, like you said, you know, it's kind of the built-in advantage that we get because – the Dolphins have to go to the Bills, Jets, and Patriots every year, and usually two of those games are December, which it does not bode well for Miami most of the time. So as far as the Patriots, I would almost assume that at this point, it's kind of like that boogeyman factor where it starts to kind of creep in, and they, the Patriots know it's there. They feel it. I heard it all week long, Matt. That was all they talked about in the media was how the Dolphins are this bugaboo for the Patriots. No matter how bad the Dolphins are, no matter how good the Patriots are, it's always this bugaboo. And I think you can almost talk something like that into existence. And I, I think that might be what happened. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's obviously the same people up in New England year after year. It's not like it's a new group that doesn't remember the past and their struggles. Yeah. Um, I wonder, I, I usually end these by talking about the team's opponent a little bit. But I think the Pats are interesting. And I'd like to get your take on it after really watching the game. I, from what I saw, this is the best Gronk has looked all year. Um, they had some special team struggles, which never happens to New England. That's a little odd. And where do you think Brady and the Patriots are right now overall? 
You know, I, I continue to say that this seems to be a different team just based on the way they look, the eye test, mm-hmm. right? And I think you've uh, – Miami's been kind of a cure for a lot of struggling offenses so far this year. And you mentioned Gronk, and you mentioned how good he looked today, which he absolutely did. But I don't know if you saw the way he looked on that final play, which why he was back there to defend the goal line was very oh, strange Oh, yeah, to me. right, right. He got smoked to the corner, Matt. Kenyon Drake is really fast, don't get me wrong, but sure. it was not even a contest. And so just seeing the way he's kind of aged and fallen out of the athletic mold of what he is, I think that Brady, you know, he's hit some plateaus this year. I, I think the division might be open for business in a couple of years, but I also think that Bill Belichick, if he's there, I, I don't think it matters. As long as he's there, they'll be okay. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, so boring, <laughs> but you're probably yeah, right. Yeah, you know. Tell me about it. <laughs> oh yeah, right. So, any more Dolphins thoughts, and then I'm just want to wrap it up and uh, conclude this Sunday evening podcast. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Adam Gaze and the way they ran the offense today it was actually interesting because I saw it on Twitter. Like I mentioned, I was in the press box, so I couldn't see the TV broadcast. But mm-hmm. someone mentioned that Dow Loggins had a play sheet in front of him, and they assumed that he was playing calls, which we later find out was not true. But the offense today seemed like somebody else was calling it because there was tons of deception, so much motion, misdirection, play actions on first down. Just a lot of things that worked for the Dolphins in their favor. Big chunk gains. The running game was going. So, I, you know, it's strange because Adam Gase has these games where the offense looks fantastic. Everything clicks. They score a bunch of points. And then it goes back the next week, and it's all JV stuff again. So, hmm. it, today was good, Gaze. Hopefully, we see more of that going forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I always thought that's what would be the foundation of this team. Because yeah. it's not like their Jimmys and Joes are a lot better than most people's. I mean, it has to be X's and O's. Precisely. Travis, you are the man. Besides Locked On Dolphins, where can everyone find your wonderful work? Uh, LockedOnDolphins.com and the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I get featured on Palm Beach Post every now and then, as well as 3rdand10.com. Very cool. Folks, this is a wrap. This was another fun Sunday evening going around the Locked On Network. I urge you to check out all these all these guys' shows, of course, and whatever your favorite team to get more in-depth analysis of your favorite team's win-loss, status, off-season plans, all those good things, as always. So check back with me Tuesday. Um, I will have Sage Rosenfels on, and we'll probably be talking a little bit of this Viking game on Monday night. It's, it's one of his wheelhouses, as well as Trubisky tonight, which is going on. And we'll be talking quarterbacks, as always, too. So that's a wrap. Thanks so much. Over and out.